0: Welcome to In These Strange Times. This is a new podcast series that is presenting an evolving response to the global pandemic and it's brought to you by Science Gallery at Trinity College, Dublin. On January 30th, 2020, the rapid response to coronavirus brought a panel of experts together to discuss the early stages of the virus as it began to spread. But little did we know how much the world would truly change during that time. Through a series of podcasts and activities, In These Strange Times, aims to showcase ways in which humans have responded to the virus. Each week I'll chat to two experts from areas of science, technology, art, design, healthcare and innovation related to COVID-19. Halfway through each episode, artist and designer Lucas Garvey will present the future cast, providing a speculative window into the future of each topic. So over the next 10 weeks, there'll be plenty of opportunities for you to get involved. So keep your eye on the Science Gallery's website and the social media to find out more. Welcome to episode two of In These Strange Times. Today, we are looking at intimacy during a pandemic. So, for many people, it can be hard to remember their last embrace with another living, breathing human. And since social distancing became normalized, people are craving physical touch with their nearest and dearest and looking for ways to recreate physical human connection. So, many might live alone, some might be isolated from families and friends and care, and others might be entering into the world of online dating and a bit hesitant about meeting up with someone in person. And so I'm delighted today to be joined by two wonderful panelists. I'd like to welcome Francis McGlone, who is the head of the Somatosensory Effective Neuroscience Group at the School of Natural Sciences and Psychology, Liverpool, JM University and Joanna Montgomery, a London-based Scottish interaction designer and creator of Pillow Talk, the award-winning product to help connect families that exhibit as part of the Science Gallery's Dublin 2018 exhibition, Intimacy. So it was as part of that exhibition uh, a few years ago. So I think we'll start off with yourself, Francis. Your research looks at the psychological responses to skin senses, spanning from temperature to itch and pain to pleasure. So how important is a sense of touch to humans and what can happen if we are deprived of that
1: i think really the key point to make up front is that when people talk about the sense of touch their immediate recollection is somebody touching you or you picking up a cup or something and you feel it immediately (laughs) that sense of touch is the one that we've known about for quite some time Mm -hmm. Uh, but what most people are are intuitively aware of, but not necessarily know why, there's, there's another side of touch. and This is a sense of touch which is more about feeling than it is about sensing. So only relatively recently, late 1980s and early 1990s, a Swedish neurophysiologist discovered a nerve in the skin of the body that responded specifically to gentle, caressing touch. Now, that nerve fiber is the same class of nerve fibers as the ones we already knew about in the skin that tell you about pain and tell you about itch. Uh, And the important thing about this second touch system is that it's providing information into the brain that doesn't get there immediately. It sort of drifts in after a couple of seconds of a hug or a gentle caress. And it wires into areas of the brain that are basically processing emotion. But so the real insight here is that there are two of touch, the fast one and the slow one. The fast one is coded for by what's called myelinated nerves. Uh, and what a myelinated nerve is able to do is to transmit information to the central nervous system in a matter of milliseconds. So if somebody touched you on the shoulder, you'd feel it instantaneously. Mm. The nerve fibers we're talking about are classified as C fibers. They're unmyelinated which means that that gentle caress will take a second or two to get into your, into your emotional brain, and it will leave you with a feeling state rather than a sensing state. The real key thing here is the identification in all, in all humans of a nerve fibre in the skin that evolved to promote the reward associated with close physical contact.
0: Okay, and so what happens if we are deprived of that, that, that feeling?
1: Well, we're seeing it. We're seeing evidence all the way, every Mm -hmm. day. I mean, nobody, you know, people don't really recognize the value of a sensory system until it's missing. Yeah. Uh, So what COVID has done for us researchers in, in the field of affective touch is wake this whole planet up to the fact that what they took for granted beforehand like cuddling a relative that needs that needs comfort you know cuddling your child cuddling mm. your grandparents because that that is no longer allowable in many cases people have worked out that there's something missing in their life they know nothing about this nerve fiber but what they do know is that something is missing i mean how many times do we hear i want a hug well this is this nerve fiber screaming out for contact and it's not some sort of psychological phenomena. this is a hard nose Neurobiological system that's evolved in all social mammals to promote the reward associated with close physical contact.
0: Mm it's funny recently uh, just a couple weeks ago a friend of mine asked now I hadn't seen this friend in months but she asked if she could see me um, and I was like no like we can't she's like please just like at a really far distance you know down the road she's like I really really need to tell you something and I was like okay it must be really serious like I'll, I'll go and see her and literally hadn't seen her since I'd say about October and so we're walking you know at like across the road from each other and I was like is everything okay and she was telling she told me that she's pregnant and this is the first of my friend group, like to you know when like of to to get pregnant, and obviously I really wanted to go over and hug her and say congratulations, but I just had to stand there. I just was like, a uh, congratulations, like trying to show my emotion in my voice, but it was such a strange feeling of not being able to go and have that quick reaction of going to hug someone, which you normally would do if they give you, you know, news that they're happy about, you know?
1: I mean, the the, the thing about what COVID has done, of course, is expose that tide. It is is proven, you know, absolutely evidence-based that we, as a social species, touch is the glue that holds us together. Mm -hmm. As I say, I I keep coming back to the fact that this is is a system of nerve fibres that are only relatively recently discovered, but humans have known for eons that close physical contact has some benefit. You've only got to look at the behavior between a mother and her infant. That instinctive behavior to cuddle and hold is playing a fundamental role in in regulating our well-being. And again, this is a neurobiological system. This nerve fiber, when it's not activated, there will be negative consequences in terms of our ability to basically maintain a sense of well-being. And again, it's not a top-down process. This is a bottom-up, neurologically developed system. I mean, we've recently published a paper uh, where this is an animal study. Um, The the colleagues that I was working with in South America, in Chile, uh, had an animal model of stress Mm -hmm. uh, using rodents. Um, So they had many ways of actually identifying a stressed rat. Um, I basically convinced my colleague to take these rats out of the cage every day and stroke them for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Another group of rats were taken out of the cage and they were stroked very quickly. One point I need to make about this nerve fiber, it responds to specific velocities of stroking touch. So exactly the kind of velocity that you would stroke your boyfriend, girlfriend, pet, etc. That's the active signal for that nerve fiber to basically respond. If you stroke really quickly, the nerve fiber doesn't fire. Okay. Uh, and we've published many papers to show that that's the case. Anyway, those rats that got stroked for 10, 10 minutes a day mm. uh, at, at the preferred velocity uh, over a two-week period, when we put them into an acute stress situation, they were completely able to maintain resilience to that stress. Those rats that got stroked quickly, i.e. they weren't stimulating this nerve fibre, were basically freaked out and anxious when they were put into a stress test. So this is just 10 minutes a touch a day built resilience in these animals to withstand a stress. And that, that will map onto humans. There's absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. And how
0: do you think this will affect young people?
1: Well, that's really where my focus is in in terms of the role of this nerve fibre developmentally in the early stages of an infant's life. And particularly during a a child's developmental stages, uh, when they're in particularly in primary schools, but right across, I think, throughout adolescence as well. You know, play is a very important part of a child's development Mm. and play involves a lot of physical contact. So now I think you know I wouldn't be too worried about these kids not learning the three Rs. I'd be more concerned about the fact that they're losing out on social contact, which is regulating their well-being and providing a whole load of other benefits to them mentally uh, as well as physically. So we've yet to we've yet to see um, the consequences. I mean, the media seem to be more concerned about these kids, you know, falling back on their reading and writing. Uh, I'm more concerned about the fact that they're losing out on the peer and the peer fun and pleasure they would have from from being with their own with their own peer group and basically playing together. Mm, um, mm. So, but no, this has never happened in the whole evolutionary history. You know, amongst this 7.8 billion human primates on this planet, this has never happened before, wow. where touch has, no, has not been as available or readily available. And again, people have woken up to something missing in their life. I mean, human individuals express different behaviors in order to feel well. And what my concern is, because this touch element is missing, they may be attracted to other, you know, less beneficial ways to feel better, like eating too much or drinking too much or, you know, finding another way to replace the reward Mm -hmm. that would have been there in their normal daily activities where you can have a hug in the morning or, stroke, or you know, play with your kids, etc. So, no, it's early days, but the neuroscience is telling us there's a warning flag up here, mm. a red flag that is going to have some impact on our well-being in terms of this nerve fibre now not getting the action that it evolved over millions of years to to, uh, to play. Mm.
0: And, Joanna, coming on to you, your um, piece, Pillow Talk, acts as a device to somehow solve both of these kind of both of those challenges. So pillow talk mimics the heartbeat of someone you love to simulate their presence, and this was originally designed for long distance couples, and then also ended up being used for children who were separated from their parents in hospital. Am
2: I right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so the aim with pillow talk was always very much to facilitate human connection in situations where, for whatever reason, it's not possible. So the original market for product was um, like you said couples in long-distance relationships uh, where they they can't have that physical connection and they can't spend that time together Uh, but over the last couple of years we have gone on to work with um, children's hospitals mainly again situations where um, usually where a child is is in bed or has come out of surgery and is too sick to be taken out of bed and and held and cuddled by their parents so we use it there again to facilitate that feeling of human connection.
0: Wow and I mean how did that even begin like how did you even come up with that kind of idea?
2: It actually originally started as my university project so I was studying interaction design and at the time I was studying the first iPhone had just come out. Uh, people loved the idea of apps and you know carrying these supercomputers around in our pockets mm. and at the time, I remember thinking, you know, this is this is cool, you <laughs> know, but what's the world going to look like in five, ten years' time mm-hmm. when we when we are all super connected and we spend all of our time face down in these in these devices? So, at the time, uh, I think people thought I was being a bit negative mm-hmm. about about technology or the trajectory of technology, but, but you know, sure enough, here we are uh, 10 years later and, you know, the, our addiction to these devices is having a real impact. And uh, and now, of course, uh, a pandemic has rolled around and, you know, no one foresaw this situation or thought we would end up in situations where we couldn't connect properly in in real life as, as humans.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's being... Is it being trialled right now in hospitals or is it fully in hospitals? Or, you know, what does it exactly entail, the... The hospital side of things?
2: So the way the product works in general is uh, it consists of a wristband which picks up your heartbeat and it sends the sound and the feeling of your heartbeat to a little flat device that another person has. Uh, So most people tend to put it under their um, pillow when they go to bed at night, hence the name. Uh, So the idea is that you can very much feel connected to somebody that you love, regardless of of where they are, the situation they're in. So uh, we're piloting it in a couple of hospitals at the minute. And the way it works is we send uh, usually a mother's heartbeat, not always, sometimes the father, Mm -hmm. we send a parent's heartbeat into usually a teddy bear or a cuddly toy that the child has in bed so that they can, they can hear and feel connected to, to one of their parents. Wow!
0: And how do you think people have, I mean, achieved feelings of intimacy during this time? Like, are there are there any other ways of simulating intimacy beyond connecting people through their heartbeats?
2: I think it's incredibly difficult. Um, it's been interesting for us as a, as a business, and me as a product designer, because for years I've been harping on about how video calls just don't cut it mm. and they're, they're not good enough. And, you know, I never thought the day would come where we would need a pandemic <laughs> to prove my point. But here we are. And, um, yeah, I think it is incredibly difficult for people to to gain any sense of intimacy when, when we can't touch them because it's such a, a, a natural, instinctive part of being human. And I think the closest we're getting is probably shared experiences mm. I think uh, I know a lot of people who they either listen to the same music together or they perhaps um, cook the same meal together and they both have their webcams on and just that sense of doing the same thing together at the same mm. time and I think right now is the closest we can get to, to some sort of shared experience with the people that we love.
0: I know like myself personally was, was doing I was doing a lot of Zoom drinks with my friends and stuff and they, they were really nice for most of the summer last year but then they started to get, get a bit depressing when you when you're on there with zoom for maybe an hour and you're having a few cocktails and then you close your computer and you're just sitting there by yourself alone it's going get it's not fun anymore yeah. after
2: that. I think the other thing that's difficult about it is all these things force us to schedule in human interaction yeah. which is really because if you're in the same room as someone or even if you're physically with someone like you said with your friend and um, telling you that she was pregnant your instinctive reaction yeah. is to, to other and we, I think we have all these sort of spontaneous and natural interactions with each other that we have lost because now we are being forced to schedule in our, our periods of human interaction
0: Well, we will be back in five minutes to chat about intimacy and romance during a time of COVID. But next up, here is the future cast with Lucas Garvey.
3: When is the last time you were able to deeply connect with someone on an intimate level? Are you struck by strange and intense bouts of loneliness? By now... We are all acutely aware of the struggles of social distancing. A phenomenon which has made it next to near impossible to meet our potential partners. Finding a significant other has become an insurmountable challenge in this day and age. But what if there was a way for you to connect with real people, not only as yourself, but as your perfect self? Imagine a version of you that preserves your personality beliefs, values, and behavior. But hotter. Introducing Perfect Harmony. Perfect Harmony is the new innovative disruptor on the matchmaking scene. With the Perfect Harmony console, you are able to create an avatar based around your physical ideals in our native modeling system. Our complex AI algorithms and emotional intelligence mapping enable us to calculate compatibility with razor sharp precision. Our matchmaking technology encapsulates an array of very complex processes, taking your personality traits, astrological alignment, personal tastes and IQ into account. Our AI also gathers all of your existing data history online to ensure that you and your match will be perfect for each other in every conceivable way. But perfect harmony is not exclusively a matchmaking online dating platform. Perfect Harmony is designed to fulfill both your emotional and physical connection needs. Our combined AR and VR interface coupled with astonishingly lifelike hardware extensions seamlessly tethers to your partner's corresponding interface, creating simultaneous physical fulfillment. Fluidly and intuitively find your soulmate and form an intimate connection without having to leave the comfort of your own home. Perfect Harmony Dating, but hotter. Each yearly subscription includes a free limbic system scan. Terms and conditions apply. Side effects may include loss of self and severe dissociation.
0: So, as mentioned earlier, Pillow Talk was largely used by long-distance couples. And do you think lockdowns have made it easier for couples to retain long-distance relationships now that we spend so much of our lives online? I'll ask this question to both of you, but I'll start off with yourself, Francis.
1: I have a real problem with simulated touch, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know that you can actually replicate what humans have evolved to require and that's close physical contact. And again, I come back to this nerve fiber. This nerve fiber has particular response properties in terms of the velocity of touch, the force of that touch, and also the temperature of that touch. So I think to simulate it is is going to be mm, well never as as absolute as the actual physical contact. And of course, we're moving in a world now where there's less and less. You know, contact. This idea of social media is an oxymoron, quite frankly. So no, I, I think relationships that are already established can be maintained clearly by you know a phone call, etc., etc. But they're sustained by the physical contact that that is that is a frequent part of any healthy relationship. So I'm I'm wary if you can find a way to bypass it. Yeah, with a stimulus which is not actually adequate for the nerve fibre. When you are gently touched, it releases oxytocin, it lowers it impacts on dopamine, it lowers cortisol levels, it lowers heart rate. These are all physiological consequences of natural caressing touch. And I doubt whether any simulated mechani- m- mechanical device can any come can come anywhere near th- those sorts of benefits. I'm afraid. Well, that's my view.
0: I mean, I guess we have to do uh, because we we have no choice at the moment to have that physical touch. So, I think having an alternative, maybe not an exact replica, and you know, I, but I think some an option at least is you know better than nothing, perhaps.
1: Oh, no, I think mean, the brain's quite clever. I think it may well you know. M- be able to simulate that physical contact you know these vibrating wristbands that you know you can communicate (coughs) across continents is no different than your mobile phone vibrating in your pocket when your wife's calling you really so it's a memento or recognition that through mechanical sense that there's someone out there that cares about you
0: and Joanna do do you think lockdowns have made it easier for couples to retain long-distance relationships what do you think
2: I think lockdown has if anything, made it more difficult to maintain long-distance mm. relationships because the little, you know, if, if you could only travel to see someone once a month, even that one touch point you had with that person is now gone because chances are you probably can't travel. I think where it has been interesting in terms of relationships is I think lockdown is really helping in the online dating space because I think over the last few years, online dating has become there's also almost a disposable nature mm-hmm. to it and people are so quick to, you know, can you meet for a drink tonight? No, okay, next. Yeah. Whereas the lockdown means people have to really invest in building relationships. Mm-hmm. So from what I'm hearing from people I know that use them a lot is they are managing to build much richer connections with people because they are more invested in, in building a proper connection with somebody rather than just swiping on to the next person that's free for a drink tomorrow.
0: Yeah, wow, interesting. I mean, yeah, online dating um, did kind of blow up a number of years ago, but surely it's not enough to just interact online, of course. And how has this impacted single people and new couples? What do you think, Francis?
1: <clears throat> I think these are really good points because, you know, there are people growing up these days that, 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 that have only ever communicated through social mm. media, Uh and there's no recognition of, to, to some extent, what they're missing in a, in a more natural environment. So it's early days in terms of the consequences of this you know, lack of natural mm-hmm. touch uh, and this sort of submission to these technological sort of means of, of connecting. Well, the other thing that's happened I don't, in, in this country is <laughs> there's more dogs being bought than ever before yeah. because... You know, because giving touch is as rewarding as receiving touch, by the way. The endogenous opiate system that, that, that is in all of our brains is activated by gentle touch for the giver as well as the receiver. And again, we see a direct sort of, sort of neurotransmitter mechanism where opiate release in the brain is stimulated by activating these nerve fibers that respond to gentle touch. And again, I'm just wary that without that top-up, there's going to be a negative consequence i mean who knows i mean i you know the, the number of my university undergraduates who arrive at university with with anxiety and depression problems who have grown up in this world where touch is no longer available to them and i just get the feeling that you know that, that lack of touch is having a negative impact on their mental well-being mm-hmm. because they're not getting what what you know 30 million years of evolution has basically evolved them uh, to take as, a, as as a right, a human right, to have that physical contact. So we need we need to we need, we need to look at this far more seriously in terms of the consequences of the Zuckerbergs and the Bezoses, mm-hmm. you know, taking our lives away. Uh, through this media, which is a money spinner for mm, both of them,
0: mm. of course. I mean, technology has aided humanity in so many ways and become such a crutch for society during the pandemic, but how will constant use of technology over that physical and human connection affect the youth of today? Like, Do you think technology could totally replace human interactions similar to movies like her or that episode of Black Mirror with Donald Gleeson? Um, I mean, what would be the implications of something like this? Um, I think, Francis, you've probably covered this but joanna what do you think
2: i mean i agree with francis in that at least in the short term and possibly the medium term is very much a a sort of crisis for us as humans and i do wonder what um implications that will have on particularly young children at the minute who are being told you know stay away from strangers don't go near that person you know what Mm. what Um, What are they learning about the world? But I don't think we run, realistically, I don't think we run any risk of, um, no matter how long the pandemic goes on, I don't think we will end up in a situation where technology is is a replacement for physical connections, because I think, as we've covered so much already, touch is such a natural part of being human and it's such a natural instinct and I think you know for starters sexual attraction will always be there even if we're of strangers we will still continue to be romantically attracted to people we will still continue to have um, maternal relationships with our children and our offspring and our loved ones and I just think society will always it's our human nature to go back to to showing affection and touching each other and experiencing things Mm -hmm. that way
1: Maybe, maybe, Joanna, COVID has taught everybody a lesson. You know, it, it, they're now recognising for the first time, possibly, that this that physical contact actually is very important to their lives. So maybe a bit of a wake-up call. You know, there's a lovely, a lovely quote by, by, by Jean-Paul Sartre in 1941 when the Nazis invaded, invaded Paris. He said the French were never freer. And, of course, what Sartre meant by that it's only when something is taking away from you do you really begin to appreciate it. Mm. And I think what COVID has done is, is exactly that for touch. Uh, so maybe it will disabuse people of their reliance on technology uh, with the smartphones, etc., and, and get back to a more sort of naturalistic way of... You know, of um, you know, coalescing, if you like.
0: Yeah, like I'm. I'm curious to see. Well, um, like I can't wait to be able to be in a club soon, or one day, or in a pub or whatever. But I'm fascinating. I'm fascinating to fascinated. Sorry to see how you know I'll feel when I'm there, and how you know how quickly will we just go back into being really close and physically close to each other, crammed in a bar, you know, ordering a drink or, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like how close will we just click straight back into that feeling?
1: I don't know. I think humans are, you know, we are, we are the most successful species on the planet, for God's sake. So I, I, I'm not that sort of desperately upset that, that, that there will be a long-lasting Sort of consequence of okay. this, other than the fact that yeah, I think people may at least have learnt that there's a wake-up call. Touch is actually quite mm. important because it's being demonised by the Weinstein's and the Savills. You know, everyone's everyone's out there's a potential molester. Well, of course they're not. Um, so I think maybe this pendulum will swing back a bit more uh, to appreciate how important the physical contact is, uh, while still legislating for those that are inappropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, embarking in touch Um, i mean many um, of us
0: have spoken about how much we would like to hug those that we love but are physically distant and from and the the term skin hunger has been thrown around a lot and are there any mental repercussions from a lack of human touch francis i'll ask you
1: oh absolutely i mean for all those reasons that i've expressed you know the, the you know the the physiology is clear you know, gentle touch releases oxytocin. Oxytocin is a hormone which basically regulates your affective state. I've already explained that stress resilience is actually um, a consequence of physical contact. And if you don't manage stress, that opens the door to a whole range of mental health problems. Yeah, all of them to some extent may have their genesis in your inability to cope with the normal stresses of life. So no, I, I I think there's going to be an absolute sort of relationship now between what we're seeing with this lack of touch uh, and the negative impact it may be having on people's mental health but as soon as thing- as soon as the you know things are released I'm pretty sure people would top up, <laughs> get back to sort of a, a physical contact, and think, Phew, yeah. you yeah, know, I'm glad that's okay." Good
0: to know. Uh, friends of mine <laughs> have mentioned, and also Joanna did mention just before a number of you know kind of solutions, like say sharing a playlist with their significant other or a friend, or using shared running apps with their friends. I haven't done the running apps, but I have done the playlist one. You know, making a collaborative playlist and adding songs that you think your friend would like, and you know, you kind of then you know kind of discover some stuff and it's another like topic I guess to talk about but uh, how else can we stay intimately connected while we are apart right now Joanna?
2: I mean it is a tricky one it is really hard I think we're all we're all very much struggling and I think ultimately the thing we are all in search of is our shared experiences because even when we physically spend time with people that is such a big part of of, of that time together and, and enjoying another person's company is because you're doing something mm-hmm. together. So I think that's why the things that are working are the things like you know running apps or, or, or playlists with somebody or cooking the same meal together. I think yeah we're just we're just looking for ways to, to feel like we are you know as humans we are we're tribal animals. we're meant to be in packs and anything we can do that makes us feel like we are with our pack. Is is helpful, mm-hmm.
0: and uh, Francis, what do you think? Uh, what are some ways at the moment to tie us, to tie us over, that we can try and stay intimately connected?
1: I think just being aware. I mean, I'm working with a colleague in Germany where we, we we're developing an app which is sort of teaching people you can self soothe. Yeah, by by basically just gently sort of caressing your own upper arms, you know, you're Mm. activating these nerve fibers and you're basically topping up these systems. So the way that you can use self-soothing behavior, uh, and you see when people are distressed or frustrated, they'll quite often, you know, rub their forehead. Now that's you activating your CTs. Um, So anything that has that level of self-soothing, I think, is going to have, uh, a definite impact in the way that these systems are regulating your well-being. So self-soothing is a, is one way through this to kind of. I mean, it's never going to be a surrogate for sort of you know the cuddle from your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. <laughs> but I think as a to get you through, I think there's an opportunity there to see that that kind of touch through self-soothing behaviour you know, would have some benefits on your. Well, your okay, so
0: so caress the top of your arms, forehead, and share some playlists with your friends.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you're, and you would, you, yeah, and you and you will do it instinctively at the velocity that these nerve fibers respond to. By mm-hmm. the way, I mean they have an optimum velocity of about four or five. Anyway, you don't need to be taught it. It's exactly the velocity that you'd stroke, you know, your baby, your lover, etc. So, you know, we know what works. You wouldn't do it quickly. Put it okay. that way. It, uh, the nerve fiber knows. What yeah, it needs. yeah.
0: No, I get you. So, slowly and and <laughs> gently. I feel. <laughs>
1: yes. and, uh, make sure your hands are at skin temperature. Okay. These nerve fibers don't like. They they, they do not like cold
0: touch. <laughs> For sure.
1: I mean, they're beautifully, they are beautifully evolved. Mm. I mean, what a wonderful little system of nerve fibers
0: they are. Wow, fascinating. Well, guys, thank you so, so much for chatting with me today. It's been such a fascinating, like I said, conversation. So I really, really appreciate you both for joining me. Uh, in These Strange Times, we'll be back in two weeks. You can log on to dublin.sciencegallery.com to find out more about Science Gallery Dublin's upcoming projects and events. And also, you can submit questions for our upcoming episodes of the podcast. Through our social media as well. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Science Gallery at Trinity College Dublin, which is part of the Science Gallery International Network. We are kindly supported by Accenture, Icon, and Intel Ireland. We also receive government support from the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gueltox, Sport, and Media and Science Foundation Ireland. Find out more at dublin.sciencegallery.com.